Welcome to a very special episode of Two Guys, One Topic. I'm Liam. And I'm Ollie. And for those of you that don't know, or for any new listeners, each week we take a topic that we know very little about, and then we give ourselves a week to read and research all about it. The idea being that we do the hard work and then we share what we feel is the most important pieces of information with you, the listeners. Yep. And we are most certainly not experts in anything that we talk about on this pod. This is just a summary of our findings. Uh, But hopefully by sharing some of that knowledge with you, we can all learn just a little bit more about a whole load of things. Right then, Liam, let's get on with, as Liam said, a special episode. This is the listener choice, which is coffee. Okay, Ollie, so this week it's coffee and this is a listener choice episode. So here's a little note from our listener, Amy, about why she chose coffee. Hey, Ollie and Liam. Thanks for picking my subject. I picked coffee because it's become such a staple in our day-to-day lives. We start our days with it. We meet friends for coffee. Why? How did that happen? Can't wait to hear what you find out. Thanks. Thank you for that, Amy. Yeah, we are really looking forward to getting into the topic of coffee this week. And um, just for those that don't know, the way that this listener choice came about is we asked everyone for submissions of topics on our Instagram. And we had loads of great suggestions that came in. We ran them through a series of votes and the winner was coffee. So thank you very much for that, Amy. Liam, you and I can get into this now. I know a little bit about this. But I'm not entirely sure you do. Do you want to let the listeners know what you knew about coffee before you started to read and research it? Right. I've said this a few times about a few things. But when we did craft beer, (laughs) at least I had tried a craft beer. And when we did wine, I didn't know anything about wine, but I had certainly drank wine. I have honestly never had a cup of coffee. I've never made a cup of coffee. I've never bought one. I don't like what it smells like maybe I sipped it once and I can't remember, but I cannot tell you a time I have ever had a coffee. I don't like anything that tastes like coffee, you know, flavor wise. I won't anything like that. So what do I know about it other than the fact it comes from beans and everybody drinks it? I don't, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and I can verify that. That is genuinely true. This is something <laughs> that, that Liam has, I've never seen him ever I don't think I've ever seen you have a hot drink, um, hot chocolate, but never seen you have a, a hot tea or coffee. So I, I know that that oh, is true. You. Whereas for me, I I like coffee. I, I probably have three cups of coffee a day, I reckon. Um, I like the, the taste of it and I, I like drinking coffee, but it turns out I had no idea about its origins and what the whole coffee, how it goes from, from ground to your cup all of that process, had no idea about any of that. So it's been a really interesting topic to get into this week. Yeah, so shall we just crack straight onto it? Everybody hold on to your socks, because we've said this before with the bees episode, I distinctly remember, right? I The first thing I found out, I think, blew my mind more than anything else. What is a coffee bean? Well, yeah, and it's... It's actually a seed, isn't it? It's not a bean in, in the first place. And it's a seed of like a red cherry. I had yeah. no idea about that at all. 
I could have yeah. I could have been guessing and guessing. I've got no idea what the plant it comes from looks like. And to know it's a bright red cherry, um, yeah, was the first bit, first thing to blow my mind. Yeah, it's exactly. It's, it's called the coffee cherry. And as it ripens, it changes from green to yellow to red, like any normal cherry. And inside it, there's a seed. And that seed is essentially your coffee bean. That's nuts. <laughs> That's essentially it. That's just nuts. So they, then they, they take all these seeds and they turn them into beans through a process that we'll talk about in a bit. But yeah, job one, Google, what is a coffee bean or where does it come from? And it turns out it comes from a cherry. Yeah, absolutely. We'll put a couple of pictures on our socials of what a coffee plant looks like. Um, so yeah, let us know if, if that was a surprise to you too. I think the misconception comes because what you then see at the end is the the black roasted bean, isn't it, or seed? And and so yeah, it's just really far from from where it actually originates. Okay, so talking about where it originates from, let's take our little customary trip back in time and just try and work out how did coffee get to where it is today. Um, started in Ethiopia, didn't it? There was a goat herder who uh, discovered the, the, the potential of the beans, right? <laughs> yeah. So it, apparently yeah, we're talking about the ninth century, so 800 something, talking about the ninth century where the story goes that there was a goat herder called Cowdy that he noticed that the goats he was looking after, once they'd eaten berries from a certain tree, these cherries that we're talking about, from a certain tree, they became more energetic and that they didn't want to sleep at night. So he thought, this needs investigated. What's going on here? Yeah, and he, uh, he, he they, they basically, uh, who thought this though? Who found their eating these and then decided to turn it into a drink? That, <laughs> that was, like, that's basically what happened though. He, he took his, he, he reported it to the local monastery and then they made it into a drink and they found that it kept them alert through, because they obviously do a lot of um, evening prayers and they found that they were much more alert having drank this drink that they've now decided to make. Um, and, and essentially it just sort of spread from there, didn't it? Through all of the different monasteries and things, the knowledge of these energizing berries started to spread. Yeah, that's right. And then it, yeah, it carried on, on spreading from Ethiopia right up to the Arabian Peninsula. And it was from there that it began its journey global. Yeah, that's right. So it went round to um, Egypt, Syria, Turkey, those sorts of places. And uh, they started to open up coffee houses, which they called Gave Kane. I probably butchered that. Nice. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. And uh, But it's essentially what we've got now with cafes. Um, and they, people would go there and they would drink coffee and they would engage in conversation. Um, it became they became known as schools of the wise because, you know, you would you would drink a coffee, but you'd also learn. People would share information and yeah. things like that. And yeah. So they became, you know. They became more than just a place to drink. They became much a much more social thing, you know, as they are now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then if you fast forward, coffee didn't then make it to Europe until about the 1650s, we're talking yep. about. And that's it was a real like revolutionary drink when it came over to to England and uh, when it came over to London in, in the 1650s because it was the first warm drink that people started drinking. And prior okay. to that, people had always been drinking alcohol. Um, and it was due yep. to the, the, the quality of the water and the poor sanitation that was in place, that there was a lot of bacteria and water wasn't very, very good for you. It could be you know, a little bit dangerous to drink it. So people would then drink alcohol. But this okay. then led to them being all 
you know, ever so slightly drunk all the time because they're yeah. they're living off beer. Um, and they used to give beer to children and all sorts because they knew it was safer to drink because the fermentation process of the alcohol would be safer to drink than the than the water that was there. But then having this new drink, you drank it by boiling it. And okay. so it then meant that the water was safe and people then really started enjoying this, this warm drink and they realised it was better than you being drunk. You then had this drink that allowed you to then focus and concentrate yeah. and be alert. be alert all the time. Yeah, yeah. When it got to Italy, though, just it, obviously it, it sort of came up through Europe. It was in Italy before it was in in England. Um, they they called it the uh, the bitter invention of Satan, didn't they? Lots of Catholics they were like really against it because it had sort of come over from Asia and it was therefore not Catholic so much. Um, and apparently they asked the Pope to intervene, and Pope Clement the, the Eighth said, "Okay, I'll try it." And uh, apparently he liked it so much he said, "No, it's fine. I'll give it the approval of the Pope." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really? yeah i read i read that as uh, well but apparently yeah people multiple people have tried to to ban it over the years yeah i was reading again about in 1511 when yeah mecca believed that it stimulated radical thinking and so they outlawed the drink for a short oh, time wow. um yeah before it then happened again in italy a little bit later the first coffee house or as we'd call it like a cafe now i guess uh, in england opened in oxford did you read this in uh 1650 yep um and it's still there now it's, it's i think it's a cocktail bar now it's called the grand cafe that's it um in oxford but 1650 what's that like 370 years ago or something and it's still there it's going it's way crazy, back right? time, isn't it but i i just yeah. love the fact that they were they were saying how people were, were ever so slightly buzzed on beer a lot of the time until they then realized that they had this new drink where they could where they could focus and it, they even say it might have been sort of like the instigator for the industrial Re revolution that happened in the mid 1700s because okay you can actually concentrate and come up with new ideas and things rather than being drunk all the time yeah um, and then it got to america eventually it went over from from uh, i think probably from us over to america um and it wasn't until the bot you know the, have you heard of the famous boston tea party yeah um where they all revolted against the tax that was put on tea basically at that point everybody said well i'm not gonna drink tea what oh I better drink this coffee thing that everybody's, you know, some people are banging on about. And then a lot have sort of been like that ever since. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, nice. Yeah, that's that's sort of the, the summarized history. Did you did you actually look into the more of the name of it? I know you always love to sort of look at the etymology of what we're talking always, about. Always. That's about the second thing I Google each week if it's something like this. Uh, the the earliest term for the drink of coffee is the Arabic word kawa or kava, perhaps, um, which was a type of wine. And then the Turks turned it into kave. Uh, then the Dutch turned it into, well, it's going to sound coffee. <laughs> K-O-F-F-I-E, coffee. Do your best Dutch accent. Coffee? I don't know. <laughs> and then, uh, obviously, we've turned it into coffee. Um, talking of, like, etymology, though, a nice one. You know the word cappuccino? Do you know where that came from? No, I don't. So cappuccino, uh, a lot of um, a lot of the words we use, you, you know, they're Italian, aren't they? Pretty much, you know, lots of coffees got yeah. an Italian name because yeah. that's where it went to in Europe first. The colour of the cappuccino is the same as there's a bunch of um, monks and friars called the Capuchin monks. Okay. And uh, so they decided that a cappuccino coffee looked like a Capuchin monk's uh, robe, so ah. it became known as the cappuccino. 
I can see that. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, and a macchiato. Good. A macchiato means in Italian apparently a spot of milk. So I can say a macchiato means milky coffee. And it's really famous in Italy that they enjoy an espresso, don't they? Uh, or as I thought, and it's a genuine an espresso. Turns out that's not it, but it's a very common mistake. Yeah, I think the reason why people thought it was an espresso is you think that it's something that you drink quickly. So you you know it's ex- yeah okay. You know, you're, you're, you're doing it quickly. So you're, you're in the express, espresso yeah, okay. drink, whereas it's not, it's espresso. And it's due to where it comes from about the pressed part of the, the way that the drink is produced, isn't it? Yeah, similar to the pressed water at a high pressure through, uh, through the ground coffee beans. Um, so it's, es- it, yeah, it's the uh, Italian word to, to express. So yeah. it's actually quite close to being espresso is not actually a million miles away from being right either. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can you can get away with that. Nice. All right. So, but if we then sorry. move on then from some of the the history, and we we've, we've mentioned how it started in Ethiopia and it sort of went up to the Arabic Peninsula, up into Europe that way. Like, where has it grown then? Well, it's 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 grown. I like this. It's grown in something called the Bean Belt. Yep. Did you read that? Yeah, I, I do. Grown in the Bean Belt. It's like a belt around the Earth, um, because coffee. The, the beans and the, the, these coffee cherries, they need to be grown in quite high altitudes with rich soil, you know, and decent rainfall. So you end up finding that you, you've got to be in sort of the middle of the earth, basically, sort of around the equator, somewhere between, it, for the fancy geographists, geog- is that the word? I don't know. Geographers? Some, geographers, maybe that's right. Somewhere between the Tropic of Cancer and the Tropic of Capricorn, which are those two other rings around the earth that are sort of above the equator. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, it yeah. sort of needs to be in there, which means it tends to be in South America, sort of Brazil, Colombia, Guatemala, Peru, Asia, Vietnam and Indonesia in particular, and then sort of a few countries in, in Africa, Ethiopia, Kenya and Uganda, those sorts of places. I'm sure there's a, there are other places, you know, you can grow it, I guess, in um, in like tree houses and things, can't you? you? You can get around it. Other places will grow it. But in terms of needing it for mass production, you need to <coughs> type of climate and those conditions in place yeah as you were saying yeah, like america have only got you can only grow it in hawaii really there's not many other states of america you'd think oh, america must be growing loads of coffee they drink loads of it i think they drink the most or, or very high on the list of who drinks the most um but um yeah only only um hawaii can grow it because of its climate the thing that i going back to the start the first thing that blew my mind about it being a red cherry where where this seed comes from or what we call a coffee bean but where where this seed comes from and just i looked into a little bit about the the plants themselves and so it it's it's not something that you can just grow and then all of a sudden start getting the the cherries off so it, it can take it can take nearly a year for a cherry to start to mature after the the flowers have started coming on the bush and it takes about five years for it to really start producing fruit that you need to then start producing coffee and i quite liked reading that the the plants can live up to a hundred years wow they can last quite a long time and they can go grow pretty high as well they can grow nine meters high but they don't allow them to grow that high because they want them to conserve their energy and it to be a bit easier to be picking so they, they do trim them but the plants they can grow pretty high live pretty long and they say that their best coffee that they produce is between the age of seven and 20 years 
Interesting. There you go. So, so we know where coffee came from. We know where it is in the world. We know about the plant. We know some of the etymology of it. Like, how do we get a coffee bean from this funny cherry into Starbucks? Into- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's Wherever quite a process. There's, 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 quite a, there's quite a few steps that, that go into it along the way. And just coming back to what you were saying there, that you, you do get these different types of beans and it depends on the different conditions and you get different varieties of, of coffee plants as well, depending on the soil and the weather and the amount of rainfall and what have you that you might have. So there's there's a, a couple of different ways, but these are probably the main steps that anyone producing coffee would go through. Okay, so they plant the tree, then they pick, they, ba- they, ba- they wait, wait for it to mature, they wait till um, the right harvest season, which sometimes can happen actually twice a year, which is very strange. But you wait till you've got your um, your cherries. They've gone into their nice ripe red colour. So they're ready to go. They pick them. Um, you can pick them by hand. You can pick them using machines. A bit like when we learned about how they pick grapes when we did wine. Yeah. Uh, very similarly, you know, uh, sort of. So they pick them. Now, the first main thing they've got to do is they've got to get the bean out of the cherry. Now, obviously, they're not going to sit eating them and spit them all out, are they? <laughs> Maybe they did. Maybe that's how they did it to begin with. There's, but there are two ways, aren't there? They, they process it. It's called dry processing or wet processing. Um, the dry processing is pretty simple, isn't it? So this is this tends to be in the countries where it's less high tech and it's pretty much where what they'll do is they'll, they'll take the cherries and they'll just simply spread them out on huge surfaces to let them dry in the sun. Um, and to prevent the, the cherries from spoiling, that they'll be raked and turned quite often. So I, I saw a few um, few clips on YouTube of people doing that and them going about the process. It looks pretty labour intensive, just having all yeah, these fast. cherries out and pushing them around so that they then don't go bad. And then the other one is called a wet method, isn't it? Yeah, the wet process. So essentially what they do is they just float them in a vat of water and then the, vo- the water basically reacts with, the, I guess, the skin um of this cherry until you know that sort of i guess melts away is probably the wrong word but you're left with just the beans essentially just the seeds in the middle yeah and and then that's what they're left with um but they taste differently you know if you have a dry processed one just so you know for our coffee aficionados out there a dry processed bean will have a slight wildness to it and perhaps a little extra tartness um (laughs) uh, whereas a wet processed bean will be a clean cup without this wildness in it um, and it complements the cleanness and brightness of coffees from places like Colombia. Oh. Slightly floral tastes. Is that is that what is that the notes that you get from it? Is it Liam? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like a true uh, aficionado yeah. there. I like that. Yeah. And then yeah. what they then do is so they've, they've dried them out and then they go into a, a milling process. And there's there's a few steps to this. So to just to remind you then, so you've had the the cherry on a tree, you've taken it off the tree, you've dried them out, and then what you need to do is, is get in this, this bean or this seed out of the cherry. And they've got machines is pretty much always used in this process called hulling. And this is where they take the, the dry processed and then try and get the seed out of the husk. And there's a couple of different layers to it, isn't it? It's not just as straightforward as just you pop the seed out from the, from the cherry. There's a few other layers that, that are in there as well. And then they then move on to something called the polishing. Um, This is sometimes an optional process, but this is where there's a very fine layer of skin that is is then wrapped around the bean that we're trying to get to. 
So the hulling is removed quite a bit and then you get this fine layer of silver skin that remains that you almost want to pop it out of that. And you then end up getting onto near enough the final thing that you need before you start roasting it. But they then take them through a grading and sorting process to then figure out which ones they want to keep and which ones are going to be good for them to use before yeah, before they then go for export. Yeah, at this point, so at this point, it's a green coffee. It's called green coffee. It's basically totally raw, um, but they, they, they ship it at this point. They don't roast anything now. Um, you know, you'd have heard of coffee roasting and roasting the beans. This won't happen until it gets to pretty much the country of where it needs to be because the roasting process you know it, it's sort of proven that once you've roasted it you've got to get to drinking it don't you pretty much yeah that's right you need to yeah stop messing around and it actually needs to get drunk then yeah so the roasting process they, they, they essentially cook them don't they in massive you know imagine just a pan with beans in essentially and you just keep turning them and turn slightly warming them up heating them up hotter and hotter and hotter um you know up to you know between three and five hundred degrees to get really really hot <laughs> i like that you said that because you just said you slightly warm them up <laughs> <laughs> they get pretty so you roast them. <laughs> yeah you roast them and they change color at this point then they're no they stop being green basically and they you know they go like what we think coffee beans look like they go that brownie color um they do a thing called a crack so when you roast a bean as it's drying out as it's cooking it cracks yeah. you know all the skin cracks and that's at the first crack, so when they get hot enough to crack once, that's a light roast. So then they will pull them off. Yep. So the first crack, you know, a bit like popcorn, they'll, I guess, um, and that'll be a light roasted coffee. And there'll be a light brown color. There'll be no oil on the beans because the oil won't have come out yet. Also, they'll still be very high in caffeine. A light roast, it remains caffeined. Yeah. I thought, I thought dark roast is the 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 caffeine one. You know, I don't know enough about coffee to know one way or the other, but I thought that a dark roast must be the caffeine-y one. You know, have a big, thick black coffee, that's all your caffeine. Yeah, that that sort of seems... Yeah, you'd think that'd be intuitive, wouldn't you? A dark coffee equals more caffeine, but it's actually the other way around. Yeah, so the light roast, a bit like um, when you cook with um, alcohol, it cooks off, doesn't it? The longer you cook yeah. with it, the more the alcohol disperses, I guess. Because with the, the coffee beans, it's something to do with the oils, isn't it? There's oils yeah. that, that start to come out of the yep. bean and yep. as they get more and more roasted that oil gets cooked off yeah so you've got your light roast so they've cracked once it's one this first crack they still retain their coffee uh, their caffeine and then basically a medium roast is they just cook for a little bit longer um they apparently they have a much more balanced flavor though a medium roast and a medium amount of caffeine <laughs> uh and then your they, they roast just, they crack twice, but a medium roast is before the second crack. So crack one, light roast. Before crack two, medium roast. After crack two, your dark roast. You know, once you've got it going for a long time, they'll crack again. And that'll be your second crack. Nice. Yeah. yeah. There you go. So they've roasted it off. And that, that that's and then at that point, you've basically got your roasted beans. They'll be in a big bag. And they're, they're off to get grinded up and turned into coffee. Apparently, you've got to cool them pretty quickly once they have been roasted. Um, and yeah, you're right. Then it's as quickly as possible onto the consumer for them to be able to drink it. But there are there are two main types of bean that people work with around, isn't there? There there are more, but there are two main types. Oh, massively main, mass like yeah. massively more than anything else. The the yeah. arabica bean and the robusta bean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So growers predominantly plant the arabica species, yeah, um, and then the robusta it tastes slightly more bitter 
but it contains more caffeine. And there's a, there's a few differences between them, isn't there? Between Ara- Arabica and Robusta. Yeah. So Arabica is the one that is massively more popular. It's 60% or more of the beans that we consume are, 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 are It might be Arabica. I think it is. Is it? It's Arabica, isn't it? It's Arabica. Yeah. Um, they need to be in high altitude, steady rainfall and shade. Um, they tend to be the ones grown in South America, which also tends to be the countries that produce the most beans. So that's why we end up with more Arabica beans than anything else. Yeah. And then we've got the Robusta bean, which given its name is quite robust and it is quite hardy. It can grow in hot climates with irregular rainfall. So it tends to be your Middle Eastern and African beans tend to be robusta beans. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it has about double the caffeine of Arabica beans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then there, there are two more, aren't there, which you messaged me about these, but I didn't really look into them. The Lib- Liberica, Liberica bean, which is a smoky and fruity bean, um, but it's harder to come by because it needs specific climates. And the Excelsa bean, which is, tends to be grown in Southeast Asia, but again, it's got a tart, fruitier flavour, apparently, but you don't get many of it, which makes it a bit um, harder to come by. Yeah. So quick fact, though, for our uh, coffee aficionados about them. Arabica beans, the flavour tends to diminish when they're mixed with milk, whereas yes. robusta beans go quite nicely with milk. So if you're having a milky coffee and you can't quite get on board with it, it don't quite taste right, ask them to make sure it's a robusta bean because uh, make, that makes for a better milky coffee. <laughs> I love it that that authority that you have there that you that you know about this. That's the, true. I know that now. The uh, I was also reading in the likes of Starbucks and what have you. What they do is they actually then mix the two, so mm-hmm. you don't tend to have a cup blend. of of just one of it. So they they blend them so that you then end up having maybe the you know arguably nicer tasting arabica bean, but you've got the more caffeine from the robusta bean. So they, okay. they blend them and, and get the two. But I don't I don't think we just said it then. So Arabica, partly why it gets his name is from the Arabia Peninsula that we were talking about earlier. And that's yep. why Arabica bean. And then the, the robusta seems to be that it's because it's a more more robust plant and able to grow in those conditions that that Liam was saying it can thrive yeah, in, in high temperatures and on lower ground, it doesn't have to be. It's it's the the high altitude soil that the arabica needs. So it's a more robust plant, and it's called the robusta. Yeah. Okay. Um, how do they make them decaf? This was something I was really interested in, like to understand, because <laughs> there are so many people who say that you know, like they can't get going in the morning unless they've had their cup of coffee and. It's the it's the thing that they need, and then loads of people decide. Actually, no, I don't. I'm not going to have a caffeinated one. I'm going to decaf one, and this is all to do with a process of removing the caffeine in it. And there's there's a couple of different methods that they can do. So it's taking the same beans and seeds that we've been talking about all along, but there's an extra step in the process where they then soak the green seeds in hot water. Um, or they steam them, or they can use some chemicals sometimes to some solvents to dissolve the caffeine in it. But so there, there is an extra step in that step process that we mentioned about in removing the caffeine. I quite liked how they figured this out in the first place. Did you see this? Yeah, they were on a boat. So there's a boat sailing to possibly Brazil, I think, but I don't know if that bit is exactly right. But it's on a boat in 1905, and the boat was swamped with salt water. 
Um, I don't, it didn't sink, but it, it was basically all these beans got soaked in salt water. And then obviously when they came to make the coffee out of these beans, it was not caffeine. Uh, it was yeah. decaffeinated essentially, wasn't it? Um, and then just some experiments from then on, they realized it was the salty water that, that had something to do with dissolving the caffeine. And, you know, after a few experiments, they've worked out how to uh, basically remove the caffeine. But so you've decap. Right, well, imagine this. All these beans are in this vat of water and all the caffeine comes out of the beans. The beans come out the water. This water is now like a caffeine water. Where does that go? Do you know this? <laughs> no, I've got no idea. Apparently, and maybe someone at this company could let us know whether this is true. Apparently, Coca-Cola are one of the biggest purchasers of whatever you would call this caffeine water. Okay. Oh, interesting. Um, I don't know how they would use it or how true that is, but I read that. I read it twice. I made sure I did a double check to see if that was right. But, uh, <laughs> Coca-Cola are the biggest uh, purchaser. So maybe Coca-Cola CEO, let us know. I was interested then to know. So if you've got a decaf coffee, that that means that there's no caffeine in it then. That's what I presumed. But when looking into it, it turns out that the decaffeination process, it removes 98% of the caffeine within the beans so it's still not quite zero but it's so minimal so a decaf coffee has about two milligrams of caffeine in it compared to a regular cup that has about 95 milligrams so it's yeah it's it's next to nothing that that's in there but there is still a tiny tiny amount yeah do you think people are stopping it because it's addictive though did you read about whether it was addictive yeah i did i, I didn't get anything too much conclusive on this you know maybe it's a little bit of I know people get into a routine where I'm saying like people can't get going in the morning unless they've had their coffee people get into a routine of them wanting to have a coffee but there might be some elements where it does give you a bit of a dopamine rush as well yeah apparently though caffeine does not cause the severity of withdrawal or harmful drug-seeking behaviors as street drugs or alcohol and for that reason, experts do not consider caffeine dependence to be an addiction. Um, <laughs> but is that just because we just accept that everyone, yeah, everyone, everyone has coffee, so many people drink coffee that they just decide, you know, it's all right? No, another thing, apparently, because it doesn't threaten your physical, social or economic health in the same way that addictive drugs do, it is not considered um, addictive. I mean, I don't know. Well, yeah, maybe everyone was microdosing on a little bit of LSD or something. It'll just become <laughs> widely yeah. accepted and it would be okay. Yeah, maybe there's too much money in it. No one's going to come out and say it's bad for you because, <laughs> oh, well, I suppose they did with tobacco, didn't they? So maybe that will happen. Yeah, 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 that's, that's a good point. But there, there are considered to be health benefits, though. So it, it possibly is addictive, but not to the extent of, of hard drugs. Um, but there are there are health pros and cons about it all, isn't there? Well, yeah, there's been tons of studies for obvious reasons, you know, because everybody drinks it. Apparently, though, it does reduce chances of death, cancer, strokes, Alzheimer's, diabetes. You know, it helps you burn fat, makes you keeps you it keeps you alert. It's crazy. There's loads of things. Yeah, it reduces your chance of liver cancer, Parkinson's disease, and all sorts. And they, they even use it in sport, don't they? So they, they use it in sport to um, keep athletes alert and awake and it improves their performance, doesn't it? Yeah, it reduces your perceived exertion. 
So, you know, when you have it, you don't feel so tired, but your brain stops thinking that you're tired. So having caffeine also because it's not an illegal substance, tons of people have done studies on it. Yeah, because obviously they want to get the right amount for athletes to be drinking. So I do do a lot of running and I've read that in order to improve your running, you need between three and five milligrams of coffee per kilogram of body weight. Is that caffeine or coffee? uh, Caffeine, sorry. Yeah. So three and five milligrams of caffeine per kilogram of body weight. But that means I need to be having like nearly 400 kilogram, 400 milligrams of caffeine, which is like two quite strong coffees. Yeah. So I can't. I can't drink coffee, so I have to take caffeine tablets because <laughs> a coffee makes me throw up. I can't, I can't go for a run having had. Um... <laughs> but, but what it does, what it does apparently is that the caffeine, it switches off the receptors in your brain for tiredness. Okay. And so that's why athletes and people can see an improvement in their performance, but again, because it, it, that perception of being tired. But it, then that can have a negative effect, and this is something that more people will come across um, on a daily basis is if they feel like they drink coffee too late in the day, then it can cause them to have sleep disturbances and a, and a poor night's sleep. And that's because, as I said, the caffeine is turning off that, that receptor for tiredness. And apparently your body loses calcium from drinking caffeine. So there's a higher chance of bone fractures if you drink a lot of coffee, because your, your body's got less calcium. Well, I don't know. And you might gain weight as well. Apparently, it makes your sugar levels spike. So there's a potential to gain weight through like eating sugary snacks when you when you crave sugar because drinking coffee makes your sugar levels or your insulin levels go up and down like this. And that can then lead to you then being jittery and like having yeah. jittery sensations because yeah, your levels are going all over the place. That's where you sometimes get get your jittiness jitteriness from because of having it. But apparently. There's so many studies, as Liam was saying, that have been done that, and we're talking about people having all of these health benefits that outweigh these negative ones. People having about three to four cups a day have way more health benefits than the negative ones. It's all, all, all dependent on the person as well, I suppose. Some people are more affected by it and it will cause them worse night's sleep than others. Yeah. Okay. So... Well, I don't drink any, so I've got none of those health benefits, but I've got none of the negatives either. Um, <laughs> all right. Another thing I, I looked at was, um, well, I looked at the size of Starbucks. All right. I was like, what's the biggest companies in the world for uh, coffee? Like, who are, the big, who are the big players, right? In my head, now we're English, right? We're, or we're, in, we're in the UK. So all our outside of the UK, 80 plus countries listeners, they might not have heard of Costa, but if you're in the UK, Costa is everywhere, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, you can't Absolutely move without everywhere. Bumping into three a and half, three and a half thousand outlets they've got, approximately. Now, I mean, that sounds like a lot. Starbucks have got more than thirty thousand, so they've got uh, getting on for ten times as many as Costa have got. Yeah, yeah, that is mad. I was reading some stats about how many of them got opened up. They were opening up a Starbucks in China going back a couple of years every 15 hours. So China's uh-huh. much more known for drinking tea, but they've been coming around to the idea of having more coffee. And so Starbucks went over there, absolutely exploded. And for, yeah, for a couple of years running, they were opening a, a new Starbucks every 15 hours. $20 billion revenue or whichever one it is that they announced. $20 billion, though, in sales or something. 
Yep. That's insane. Like, apparently the guy that owns it, he well, there's some there was two of them or three of them. They were they were just making coffee and then he wanted to open cafes with the name and his partners didn't want to, so he bought them out and then obviously then started opening up all these cafes and they all <laughs> nice. were like oh. But talking of opening a cafe, lovely little segue there. I I randomly went onto the Starbucks website to see if I could be a franchisee. Okay. Because I remember doing this with Subway with some kids at school once. So I thought, I, just, I wonder if Starbucks have got a thing about how you can become a franchisee, right? This is straight off their website. To be eligible, to be an eligible candidate for a Starbucks franchise, you should have liquid assets of at least, how much do you reckon? How much money do you need? I don't know. Um, I've got no idea. 20 grand? Half a million pounds. Oh, wow. As well as a stable financial situation. The company does not offer financial assistance, though they do provide business advice and assistance to maintain the success of your franchise. Half a million pounds. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea there. Also, thanks to the huge success and dedication of its current franchise partners, Starbucks is not currently recruiting any new franchisees. Just about to sign up. I was just about to try and get, get myself one. Yeah, so I guess that means, you know, all the people that have already got a Starbucks, they're the ones who can open more, but we're not allowed to try. Yeah. Also, I haven't got half a million pounds sitting, of liquid assets just sitting in my bank. <laughs> it won't be me. So, yeah, big, big money in coffee there. And it's it's there for good reason, because a lot of people like to drink it. And that leads me on to my two guys, one topic takeaway for you is that it's estimated that there are two billion cups of coffee drank Every day. <laughs> two and billion it, a day. There's only seven billion people in the world. I know, but two billion cups a day. And you've got to wow. think there's a load of children in that within that that won't be drinking it. But yeah, two billion cups a day. And it turns out that coffee is the most traded commodity, only second to oil. Oh, I did read that actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty mental. But uh, yeah, so uh, an awful lot of people have it. How about you, Liam? What's your two guys want to be takeaway? Most expensive coffee in the world you can buy. Do you know what this is? <laughs> yeah, go on. It's called Black Ivory Coffee, which is this. In Thailand, they feed elephants the cherries that have the caffeine in. The elephants, well, we can probably see where this is going. The <laughs> elephant excrete it. And then they go through. <laughs> <laughs> they then get all of these cherry, like the... What you know, not the pip, it's the seed, which is the coffee bean. They then get them out of the elephant dung and then just begin the process. But apparently, like, I don't know, the acids or something in the elephant's tummy do something fancy to the beans and make them taste okay. nice. But it costs about a hundred pounds for about four espresso size servings. So, espresso is those little ones, right? The ones you do yes. like a shot. Yeah. Well, it's about a hundred pounds for four of them. Wow. That's the sort of value that it is. Um, yeah, makes me want there to is try another it. one. I'm sure I wouldn't be able to tell the difference, but it makes me want to try it and see what everyone's banging on about. There is another one from Indonesia called the Kopi Luwak, which is a, a, it's exactly the same, only it's produced by a cat. They feed it to a palm civet cat, um, and they do the same thing. And that's about the third most expensive coffee in the world. Uh, but yeah, essentially, so poo coffee is where it's at, I guess. <laughs> oh, it just reminds me about something earlier. I did wonder... Can you eat the cherries at all? And uh, uh, turns out that not a lot of people do <laughs> eat the cherries. But what they did way, way back, very, very early on, is they used to mix the coffee berries when they didn't really know what it was, and the all of the coffee 
cherry berry all together with a, a ball of fat and make themselves some sort of energy ball. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. Sounds delicious. <laughs> yeah. coffee. Anyway, I'm going to actually, I, I, I think this week, I, I think I'm going to have my first ever coffee and what I'll do is I'll video it and I'll put it up. Oh yes, our, please. I'd love put to it up see as, that. A, as a reel on our Instagram. I'll do my first, I think I'll have a, I don't know if I get the whole thing done or maybe I'll have a sip. Um, <laughs> nice. like a shot. So we need to say a big thank you to Amy for suggesting this as the listener choice. And thank you for everybody who voted to have it as the listener choice. I found it super interesting. As I said at the beginning, I like to drink coffee, have a few cups a day, but I had no idea about the history, where it came from, knowing that it came from that goat herder way back in the day when his goats started going a bit funny from eating the bean. Um, yeah, learning about where it grows, that old bean belt that Liam talks about earlier, being you know just a bit north and south of the equator, um, and just a bit more idea about some of the beans. How about you, Liam? Anything else that you no, found particularly no interesting? No, I like the bean belt. I like that it's around the middle of the earth. I actually wrote down bean belt, um, and that is in a cherry. You know, those couple of things just quite like that um no but i, I you know just remember if you're gonna have a milky coffee get make sure it's a robusta bean not an arab i'm gonna get that an, an arabica arabica what's the word arabica, arabica. <laughs> right a robusta bean not an arabica bean uh, if you're gonna go milky just see if that makes a difference because apparently it does thanks everybody for listening this has been a great episode we'd love you to uh, hit us up on our socials at two guys one topic you know we will do a vote in future for a future listener choice episode we might actually use some of the other suggestions that we've already been given in our next series we think so that might be quite interesting we might get hold of you and talk to you about that um but yeah thanks for listening at you guys one topic we'll see you again next tuesday get out there and share some knowledge